0: good. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. As Matt has already informed you, my name is Steve, and I am grateful to be among you today. Our sermon will take as its text Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 15. Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 15. See loving the Lord your God and obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, what we've been doing uh, is preaching through the entirety of the Bible. We have now come to Deuteronomy. Today, in fact, if you've been reading along with the plan, we finished Deuteronomy. And in this sermon, we're going to consider the climax of this book and we've been listening to moses throughout the book of deuteronomy we've been listening to him preach to the generation that is going to go in and enter into the promised land and take possession of it and what he's doing in this sermon is he is reiterating to them the terms of the covenant god has made a covenant with these people they belong to him he belongs to them and, he, and Moses just wants to make sure you, you must remember the terms of this covenant. And so he outlines blessings for obedience to the covenant. And, and if you've read these blessings, they're about as magnificent as you could possibly hope for. And then he outlines the curses for disobedience, where, which, if you've read them, are enough to make you want to tremble in fear and go hide under a rock. Now, he sets before the people a choice. You've got blessings. You've got curses. He says, I've set before you life and death, therefore, choose life. Now that, that, I mean, that's a strange command. Like here's life, here's death. Choose life. I mean, think about that. For, For any human being presented with the choice of choosing life or death, Wouldn't anybody choose life rather than death? Like, and I know there's cases like deep and lasting depression where death seems more palatable, but that being accepted, no one needs to tell us, let alone command us to choose life. We'll always choose life over death, but the life and death that Moses puts before the people, it's actually less about physical life and physical death, though the flavors of that are in there. You can taste them. But in this set of chapters, life is defined, listen, life is defined as covenant faithfulness to God. Death, on the other hand, is defined as the rejection of God and his covenant. So life means to enjoy intimacy with God. Death means to perish apart from him. So that's what we're talking about here. And in that way, defined thusly, we have a long history of choosing death. Adam and Eve, if you recall, all the way back in the beginning, they chose to grasp at the knowledge of good and evil. And in doing so, they apprehended the knowledge of good, but only by losing the good. And as it turns out, they chose death even in paradise. And they have passed that inclination on to us. And all the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve, all through the generations, when we see before us the choice between life and death, as I've just defined it, we will always, to our great vexation and to our great confusion, choose death. So, what I'd like to do in this sermon is to try to figure out from these chapters, chapters 29 through 30 in Deuteronomy, if there's any way that we could possibly do what we actually long to do, which is to say, choose life. And in order to do so, we're going to look at this text under three headings. Number one, we're going to look at the curses for disobedience. Number two, we're going to look at the blessings for obedience. And then number three, we're going to look at what we need in order to choose the blessings or to put it another way, to choose life. So we might as well get the bad news out of the way. So let's talk about the curses for disobedience first. Deuteronomy chapter 28, Moses outlines the fullness of the curse that will fall upon the Israelites if they refuse to obey his commandments. Listen, Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. Now, I'm going to stop there, but if you read it, This week, along with us, you'll know that this section actually extends much further than that. If the people will not obey the voice of the Lord, then the curse of God will haunt them everywhere. If you keep reading, you'll see that the result of their disobedience... Like these curses will come upon them and they include pestilence, famine, wasting disease, loss of home, oppression from outsiders, from foreigners, unceasing war, impoverishment, exile from the land. And then in a complete reversal of their redemptive status, they will be returned to Egypt to become slaves once again. It will be as if God never knew them. Now, who in the right mind would choose that? I mean, especially when we see the blessings on the other side of the scale. Let's just look at those now. And this one I want to read a little bit more because you just have to feel the glorious weight of these blessings. So this comes to us in the first part of Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 7. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall you be in your basket, and your Needing bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. And if you really <laughs> if you take that all in, I mean it's it's enough to leave you on the floor in a puddle of awe. It's astonishing. And I didn't even read the whole thing. Total. Blessing, And it even says, like, the blessing shall overtake you. Even if you're trying to get away from it, he'll, he'll catch you, and he'll still bless you. Like everything, economic prosperity, fertility of the soil, abundant food, military success against encroaching enemies, fertility of human beings and animals. And most important of all, if you skip to chapter 30, verse 20, Moses says that the Lord, if you obey, the Lord Your God will be your life and length of days. And all of this, of course, you heard it, all of this is conditional. You heard it in the passage I just read. These blessings will come upon the people if what? They obey the voice of the Lord their God. And who in their right mind... (laughs) Would reject this kind of life in favor of the life on the other side of the scales, filled with curses. Now, here's here's where we have to be careful, not to get too far ahead of ourselves in the story. Like, we, if you've read the Bible, you know the rest of the story of the nation of Israel. They will, in fact, choose death. That that's clear as day. But let's go with them the best we can into this moment of decision on the plains hearing Moses life, death which one will you choose choose life now let's go with them to that moment of decision because they don't know the rest of the story yet Moses just laid out the options one leads to total curse and death the other leads to total blessing of life blessing and life and he says which way will you go And I have to imagine that in the internal thoughts of most of the people standing there in the congregation of Israel, they would have been resolute as any of us would be. I will choose life. Seeing those two options, I'm going to choose life. We all choose life. We will choose to be blessed in the city and blessed in the country, blessed in our coming and blessed in our going out. We will obey the voice of the Lord. Like that's not hard to imagine. But maybe the crowd wasn't all optimists. Maybe there's some folks like, who really did want to choose the way of blessing. But they, they had listened to all the laws that Moses had just laid out. And they had doubts whether they could keep their part of the bargain. Maybe they just listened to Moses reiterating this covenant and thought, like, I sure would like to choose life, but I, But keeping the law in its entirety is hard. That sounds impossible. I don't know if I can do it. And it's almost as if the Lord, like speaking through Moses, anticipated this objection. Because he addresses that very thing in Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 14. He says, for this commandment that I command you today is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, "Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it?" Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, "Who will go over the sea and bring for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it?" But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. Let that sink in for a second. Let that sink in for a second. Like anyone who would say that the law is impossible to keep has, has not wrestled with this set of verses. On God's own testimony, the law is Doable. Also on God's own testimony, not too hard for you. (laughs) Like it's not kept in some secret bunker on a mountaintop somewhere where, where you can't reach it. They have to struggle and strain to find out what it is. God himself came down from the mountain in the words of Moses. He came down on Mount Sinai, sent Moses down to the people with the words of the law. And I know that we're used to thinking, as Christians, we're used to thinking that the law is impossible. Um, that, that, and, and we'll get to that in just a minute. That, that's how we're used to thinking about it. But think about it rationally. Th- think about the law rationally for just a minute. Keep the Sabbath day holy. It's 24 hours one day a week don't make idols of silver and gold don't murder don't steal when you step back for a minute and listen to it the law is it's actually pretty simple it can be done that's what god is saying that's god's own testimony it's not too hard for you you can do it and yet for some reason we find that we cannot do it god says that the law is good and it can be done but for some reason the people of israel and by extension we ourselves we just cannot seem to choose life Even with all the blessings laid out right in front of our eyes, shining and glorious. Why? Well, this is the very question that Paul, the apostle, in the New Testament, wrestles with in Romans chapter 7. Starting in verse 15, he says this, For I do not understand my own actions, For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. but sin that dwells within me. Now skip to verse 24. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now that is how we tend to experience the law. Internally, we say, yes, amen, the law is good. It is not too hard for me. I will do it and choose life and blessing. But the truth is this, according to Paul, sin dwells within us, passed down to us from generations past, from the first generation, and that sin makes it impossible for us to choose life. Because of the sin that dwells within us, we, to our great vexation and grief, will always choose death and curse. And even if we've never articulated Paul's exact words in our hearts, we feel the truth of them. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So that's our condition. We we long to keep the law We agree that the law is good. We want to enter into the blessings of God, but the sin that dwells within us pushes us to reject God's authority in our lives and to go our own way. Now, at this point, you might be wondering, is there any hope for people like us and people like them, the Israelites? And more to the point, if you're listening closely You might be wondering if God is actually mocking those people and by extension, us. Like he tells these people through Moses that the law can be done. And yet the Lord is well aware of the condition that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter seven, which actually makes it impossible for them and for us to choose life. And he's like, no, you can do it. And that could sound like mockery. It's like, it's like saying to a blind man, seeing isn't that hard. All you have to do is open your eyes and look around. And if you could just do something that simple, all the blessings of the world are open to you. And that's true. I mean, seeing is not that hard. You just open your eyes. And it starts happening. You don't have to work for it. Unless you have a condition that fundamentally prevents you from seeing. So, in order to stand, understand what's going on here, let's move on to our third point. What do we need in order to choose life and blessing? Now, apparently, God knew his people well enough and knew their condition well enough to know that they would, in fact, choose death. And, and he already predicts in Deuteronomy, Moses does, that they're going to go into exile. They're, they're going to break the covenant. So, like, he knows. So in Deuteronomy chapter 30, he promises that after they do choose death and find the curses falling upon them, he promises, you, you can return. You, you can return to me. And when they do, this is astonishing. When they return, God promises to repair the fatal condition that makes them choose the curses and death. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6 through 8. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes and enemies who persecuted you and you again shall obey the voice of the Lord and keep all his commandments that I command you today. Did you hear that? In order to obey the voice of the Lord, the people needed a new reality to be formed within them, namely the circumcision of the heart. Now, that sounds, <laughs> sounds very strange. Um, what in the world does circumcision of the heart mean? Well, for those who were hearing Moses in that day, they knew very well what physical circumcision meant. Like, it wasn't just a surgical procedure that's done for hygiene or, you know, whatever it's done for, I don't know. Um, it, it, was the, it was the very sign of the covenant of God. It was the sign that this person was, in fact, in God's covenant that God belonged to them and they belonged to God. That was the sign. But the plain truth is this, circumcision, listen, circumcision apparently made no difference whatsoever on whether or not a person could keep the law. Bearing the sign of the covenant in your flesh did not equal freedom from the condition that made the law impossible to keep. The sin within was more powerful than the sign without. And so what was necessary in order for his people to keep his commandments and to enter into blessing was something they could not do for themselves. Physical circumcision, that was well within their hands. But nobody could remake and reorder their own heart. Their bodies belonged to the covenant but their hearts did not and God says here I will I will so change your heart that the sin that dwells within you will no longer prevent you from entering into the fullness of my blessing, and how in the world would he do that? And to answer that, we need to return to Paul's ringing question there at the end of Romans chapter 7. He says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Answer, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he goes on, starting in. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. (laughs) So when God said to his people this law can be done He wasn't mocking them. It's true that they were unable to do it, but off on the distant horizon would come a man who himself was God, and he could do it. The word of the law was very near to him in his heart and in his mouth, and at every point when he was tempted, very real temptations, Every point when he was tempted to turn to the right or turn to the left, he chose life. He stayed on the narrow path. Jesus Christ kept the law to perfection. He was the true fulfillment of these words in Deuteronomy. But so what? Okay, okay so one man did it one man earned all the glorious blessings laid out in Deuteronomy. Does that mean that we're just like at the day of judgment, we're all just going to watch him get crowned the the moment before we're all condemned to death? In Paul's words, by no means. (laughs) Listen to what Christ's life actually means for us. Like wouldn't it make sense if Jesus Like at the end of his life, who lived every moment according to the righteousness of the law, wouldn't it make sense that he wouldn't experience the sting of death, the curse of death? No, that he would just be sort of like assumed, like Enoch or Elijah, like just go up to heaven, enjoy the blessings, all the fruit of your righteousness. But you know that's not what happened. In fact... In light of the words that we've considered this morning from Deuteronomy, what actually happened to Jesus is nothing short of astonishing. Even as the shouts of the Hosannas were still in the air, wicked men of uncircumcised hearts plotted to condemn Jesus. They brought him before a rigged jury, secured his condemnation, Then they handed him over to a Roman governor claiming that Jesus was an insurrectionist and therefore ought to pay the ultimate penalty, which is to say death. And so Pilate took Jesus and ordered him to be crucified and then washed his hands of the matter. And then Jesus Christ, the righteous, heaved his own instrument of execution onto his back and carried it to the place of the skull. There, Roman guards stripped him naked, pounded nails through the ligaments in the flesh of his arms and his feet passersby hurled mockery upon him and he was raised from the earth and left to bleed and suffocate to death in the searing Mediterranean sun and in the end when he even sought the least bit of comfort from his father in heaven he found to his utter dismay that the father too had forsaken him and under the crushing weight of that abandonment He gave up his last breath and died. And at that and at this point, as we're looking at it, we've got to look at God's words in Deuteronomy and find that we are utterly baffled. The promise was plain. If you obey, you will enter into blessing total blessing and then we look back at jesus and say but he obeyed and this is his reward this doesn't look like blessing this looks like a curse and in saying that you'd be right again listen to paul in galatians chapter 3 verse 13 Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Christ, Paul says, became our curse. We have witnessed the crucifixion. And and what we witnessed in that crucifixion was not Christ's reward for a faithful life. What we witnessed was the cursed death that each of us earned by breaking the law. And all those curses that we read about in Deuteronomy and all the ones that we did not read about in Deuteronomy fell upon Christ himself in those hours on the cross and not merely fell upon him, he actually became so identified with those curses that Paul says he became a curse. For us and why did he do this you remember what Paul said we already read it in Romans 8 4 Christ did this in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So a great reversal has occurred. A great circumcision of heart has been affected, not for those who keep the law, but, listen, but for all who believe that Christ kept the law for them and died as a curse in their stead as a substitute for them and if you believe that all the law is now fulfilled in you and what's the result we see it in Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us where? In Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. None is accepted in Christ. He is the epicenter of the blessing of God. And in him. Because of his substitutionary atoning work, all of his blessings that he earned, every one of them now come to us. Not because of our own merit, but because of his, we now have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you believe this? If you're sitting here right now and you find that your desire is being awakened to believe that Christ offers you righteousness before God by faith, not by your works of the law, and you believe that he bore the curse that you deserved in his own body on the tree, then I have good news. If that is what you desire, then it is the sign that God has begun the work of circumcising your heart and this word is not too hard for you believe in Jesus Christ and you shall be saved choose life choose life let us pray Father in heaven when we step back and survey the landscape of redemption, all we see is that you have gone to extraordinary lengths to bring us into communion with yourself. Even as the Israelites were grumbling against you in the middle of the wilderness and a man had been hired to curse them from the mountains You would not even allow him to. The only thing that came out of his mouth was blessing. So, Father, would you grant us to see, to have eyes to see, ears to hear, the fullness of the blessing of Jesus Christ in our lives. We love you dearly. We worship you and adore you. and pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We come to the table of God now. And this is one of our great blessings to share in table fellowship with our Lord. He's come to remind his faithful that nothing that you experience in this life, no matter how calamitous, no matter how heartbreaking, is a result of God's curse upon you. That curse was absorbed in its totality in the body of Jesus Christ. So while you may be experiencing a hard providence, you may be assured that it is part of his blessing and not his curse. He has come to remind you in this meal that his work is complete in you and that there is no atoning work left to be done. Let this meal empower you by grace and by the Spirit to keep the law that he gave us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength and love your neighbor